Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. James chapter 4, where we're going to start there on your notes, uh, under uh, the top of our topic tonight, the heading, the power of positive resistance, number one, on your notes, the idea is to submit to God and resist the devil, not the other way around. The idea is to submit to God and resist the devil, not resist God and submit to the devil. Now, I'll tell you, most believers, although there are some exceptions, sad to say, most believers are not running around submitting to the devil on purpose. But we could still do it not knowing by us actually not submitting to God. Because if we don't submit to God, guess what? We are clearly, therefore, not resisting the devil. That would mean that we are doing the opposite. If we're not submitting to God, guess what we're doing? We're actually submitting to the work of the enemy and therefore resisting God. And we don't want to do that. So we need to be awakened to the reality of what this means in our life and how we can work it. Because this is a powerful, powerful truth. Understanding the power of positive resistance. James chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 6. But he, speaking of God, I love this, we've taught it many times, he gives more grace. Say more grace. grace. So what that means is God has more help available. In this context, in context to the phrase of grace, although grace can refer to several different things in the New Testament, this is referring to help from God. Because grace itself, of course, is what we did not deserve that we've received from God. Well, that is his help. Whether it's for salvation, whether it's for deliverance, or whether it's for healing, you name it. So thank God for His grace. Say it. Thank God for His grace. So what does He do? He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God says, that God resists who? Who does He resist? God here resists the proud. God resists the proud. So if I want more grace, guess who I don't want to be? The proud. Notice this. But He gives this grace to who? The humble. So I want to be the humble, not the proud. Watch this, 7. Therefore, he tells you what to do to be this humble person that he talks about of how you can get what God has for you. Therefore, what do you do? Submit to God. Say, submit to God. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will do what? Now, I have a word from heaven for for you from verse 7. If you resist the devil, guess what he's going to do? If he does not flee from you, what does that mean? I'm not biblically resisting him. I'm not. I remember one time Brother Hagin was talking about a um, uh, uh, message he was preaching at a church. A gal came up for ministry afterwards. She said, Brother Hagin, I understand what you're saying about this message about res- resisting the devil. He'll flee. But I've been resisting him and he ain't going nowhere. Well, then God lied or you're lying. Because God said if you resist him, he'll flee. So if you are obviously not seeing the devil flee, you're not resisting him b- properly. And therefore, that tells me you're probably not submitting to God. So again, if you submit to God, what will happen? You're going to resist the devil. What will the devil do? So it really isn't that hard to get rid of the devil if you think about it. I mean, I'm not saying it's always easy, but I'm just telling you, if we're resisting the devil, he's automatically going to flee. Verse 8, draw near to God. Do what? Draw near to God. What will he do? Draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and... Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You do not want to be double-minded. Nine, lame it, and, lame it and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Now that, like, what do you mean, Pastor? I'm not supposed to be joyous. Now he's actually referring to people in the natural. People in the natural who are focused on or finding their joy in doing things apart from God in this life walking out the things of the natural, trying to find their joy in the world, etc. He said, you need to have a true repentant heart. You need to have a heart to turn back to God. So verse 9 is referring to people that are not drawing near to God. They are not humbling themselves unto God. 
They are obviously opposed to God, and he's telling them, you need to have true, quote-unquote, verse 9, Bible repentance. Lament, mourn, weep, simply turning back to God. Notice verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will do what? Now, that last phrase is interesting. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But I want you to go back to your notes, number one. On your notes, number one, the idea again is to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will do what again? Flee. But if you do not, therefore, resist God, you are obviously then doing the opposite, which is submitting to the devil. 1A, the devil will flee if you do, uh, he will flee, excuse me, your what? Your resistance. B, but you must what? Underline or circle or highlight the word must. You must what? Resist him. How do we resist him? C, you submit to God. How do we resist him? You submit to God. Also, D, how do you also resist him? Draw near to God. If you're drawn near to God, guess what you're doing? You're resisting the devil. If you're submitting to God, guess what you're doing? You're resisting the devil. And therefore, E, you're also to do what? Cleanse your hands of sin. F, you're to purify your hearts. We're going to look at that in just a minute. You've got to purify your hearts because if you're double-minded, you are focused on God and the things of this world, and that ain't good. And then G, you need to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, recognize His presence that is always with you, and H, He will do what? Lift you up. So let's walk through these real quick in these verses and let's glean from what God's saying here. Verse 7, uh, verse 6 again, I have help from heaven available. I got to be humble. To be humble, 7, I got to do what? Submit to God. So clearly submission to God is the key here. And that just simply means doing the things that we know God says we should be doing. Am I submitting to God if I'm running myself down? No, you're not. Am I submitting to God if I'm allowing what other people say about me to affect me? No, you're not. Because you're not obviously doing what God says about relationship to what scriptures teach about that in relationship to other people. Should I care about what other people say about me? Not if it ain't true. If it's true, I should deal with it. But if it ain't true, guess what? I shouldn't let that affect me. I should not allow what other people say about me to affect me because I'm only concerned about really what one person says about me, and that's God. And I'm going to find that out in the Bible. I'm going to find out what God says about me in the Bible. How about you? So submitting to God means both accepting all that God says about you, but also what God says you should be doing. As it relates to your life in God, are we not to draw near to God daily? We should. Are we not to be subjecting ourselves to Him daily? We should in every way, our thought life, our actions, etc. The more you submit to God, the more you do what? The more you resist the devil. So your, your resistance level, if you could put it like on a scale, you know, you know, of high to low, right? Your, your, your resistance level is based on what? Your submission level. The higher you submit to God, the more you resist the devil. The less you submit to God, guess what? The less you resist the devil. So the more you're submitted to God in every way, the more you're going to resist the devil. And therefore, guess what? He's going to flee from you. Absolute. Amen? amen. I said Amen. amen. Which includes verse 8, doing what? Drawing near to God. Drawing near to God. His house, time in His Word, in His presence, being aware of Him more and more each day. Drawing near to God. Obviously, He's going to do what? Draw near to you. Now, notice the next statement. You should cleanse your hands of sin. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. Now, uh, sinners, remember, this is written to believers. It's not talking about sinners that don't know God. That just simply means anything that I know that I'm doing with my lifestyle that's sinful, what should I do? Cleanse myself of it. Remember, we talked about this on Sunday night in dealing with strongholds, excuse me, on Sunday morning dealing with strongholds about renewing the mind. God knows if you have something or if it has you. When he talks about cleansing your hands here as a sinner, he's saying what you have a hold of that you can let go of that you know is wrong, let go of it. Don't continue to do things that are sinful or wrong in the sight of God because all you're going to do is give Satan more opportunity to take advantage of your life. If I'm doing things that are sinful, am I resisting the devil? No. I'm submitting to the devil, so I'm resisting who? God. Guess what I miss out on? More of God's help. More of heaven's help. So things that you know are wrong or sinful, what should you do? Cleanse your life of that. Do what you need to do to get it out of your life. Notice this. Purify your hearts. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. We're going to come back to this, but if you back up to James chapter 1, he addressed this over here 
in the first part of this letter, in what we have broken up for study purposes, chapter and verses, which it wasn't written that way, was just one whole letter. So before he ever got to what we know as James chapter 4, back in chapter 1, he addresses this double-mindedness. Watch this. In James 1, 6, he said that we are to ask God in faith. How many know whatever you have need of, you got to ask God in faith, believing you've received. Notice this, with no what? No doubting. No doubting. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, he is driven and tossed by the wind. What would that mean if I doubt? If I'm asking God for something in relationship to his promises... And I doubt I'm driven by the winds. What does that mean? Circumstances. So even though I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm asking God and believing God, if I have doubt, what, what am I really going to be controlled by? Not the promise of God, but the circumstances I'm dealing with. The winds, the, cer- the contrary issues in life, they're going to be what drives me. So I don't want doubt because if I have doubt, I'm not walking by faith. I'm being moved by circumstance. Verse 7, notice. For let not that man suppose, he who doubts... Now, where can you not doubt? In your heart. Could you have doubt in your head? Yep. Here's the key about doubt in your head. Don't speak it. Don't speak it. Any thought that you have that you don't speak dies unborn. That goes, that goes for good thoughts and bad thoughts. You, have, you think like God, you want to speak like God. But when you don't think like God, don't speak those words. Because guess what? They'll die unborn. You can doubt in your head and still receive from God if you believe in your heart. You should deal with those thoughts, but you don't want to quote-unquote speak those thoughts or think because I had a doubting thought in my head, now I can't receive from God. Where can you not doubt? In your heart. heart. How do you know if you're doubting in your heart? You'll know. You'll know. You'll know whether there's doubt in your heart or not because you're either convinced like Abraham was. Remember Abraham? Romans 4? He was fully persuaded, fully persuaded, not even born again, not even born again. He was fully persuaded what God had promised he could perform, meaning what? He didn't doubt in his heart, right? So you can't doubt in your heart. Don't let the devil mix you up and mess with you to think because you had a doubting thought. There you go. You're not going to receive that from the Lord. You can have a doubting thought, but you can't have doubt in your heart. So again, he said clearly in verse uh, 7, notice again, let not that man, the one who doubts in his heart, suppose that he will receive what? Tell me. Tell me. Anything from the Lord. You cannot receive from the Lord with doubt in your heart. Now, this doubt in your heart refers back to what Romans 10 talks about, that you got to believe in your heart. You cannot doubt in your heart. Notice verse 8. For this doubting man who, who doubts in his heart, watch this, He is a double-minded man. Now, that's the exact same reference to what he talked about over in James 4. Remember what he said over in James 4? What did he say? Tell me, what did he say? Purify your hearts, your hearts, your hearts, your hearts, you double-minded. So you got to do something about your mind if your heart's not purified from doubt. If there's doubt in your heart, you want to purify your heart from that doubt. And if there's doubt in your heart, I'm going to tell you why. It's because you become double-minded. You become double-minded. So watch this. He said, he is a double-minded man, a unstable in what? All his ways. So how do you deal with double-mindedness? I'll tell you how. This is, this is critical. We're going to look at this. We're not going to look at it directly, but I'm going to refer to it twice. I want you to write a note down here. Proverbs 4, 20. Write it down. Proverbs 4, 20. What causes a person to become double-minded? I'm going to tell you what does. They are not just inclining their ear to the Word of God. They're still listening to, obviously, the problem or too much of the world. So you can't do both. When you find out what God says about you or a promise of God, guess what Proverbs 4 says? Proverbs 4 says, give attention to my word. And then listen, incline your ear to my sayings. So the first thing you got to do is give attention to the word to find out what does God say. But once you do that, guess what? That ain't enough. To get rid of double-mindedness, not getting it in your heart, or if it's there, you got to purify your heart of it. 
How do you do that? I incline my ear to God's saying. To incline. Remember I told you this? It's kind of like you ever seen. In, I just watched one the other night. You ever seen in the old westerns where a guy gets shot, you know. He's about to die. He can hardly talk. And he's like, commotion, come here. You know, get closer so you can hear what I'm saying, right? Because he can barely talk. Well, you know what? That's the word incline. The word incline means you're going to draw so close to God. Hearing God, you're not going to listen to anybody else. You listening to me? Don't think of the dead man. I'm just trying to explain. You're getting so close to God that all you can hear is God and you're not going to hear nothing else. So this is the key to to get rid of the purification of of doubt, of excuse me, yes, of doubt in your heart. What do you got to do? You got to give attention to God's word. Wait a minute. And you got to do what? Incline your ear to that. Meaning what? Stop listening to everything contrary. If you keep listening to stuff contrary, guess what you're going to be? Double minded and that's going to allow doubt in your heart right well if doubt is in my heart am i walking by faith if i'm not walking by faith am i resisting the devil no i'm not because you're going to see in a minute you got to be steadfast in the faith to resist the devil so realize that a key to power, the power of positive resistance. So how is this the power of positive resistance? oh it's really easy to understand right quit listening to stuff you shouldn't listen to you don't have to resist it. Just pull away from it. Right. Do what's positive. Get your ear on what God says. Yes. That's positive. Yes. Everything God says is positive. Yes. Are you listening? Yes. It ain't negative. So all you got to do is draw your ear near to what God says and listen to only that and nothing else. And by allowing your ear to draw near to God, power of positive resistance. You're automatically rejecting the doubt because you're not listening to it. You're automatically, come on, resisting the devil. You know why? Because you're not listening to it. So it's real simple. I got the voice of the devil over here telling me, no, it ain't going to happen. I got the voice over here of God telling me, it's a promise. I already said it's yours. I can stand here between the two and listen to both. And if I do, I am not operating in the power of positive resistance and resisting the devil. I'm sitting between the two listening to both voices. Power of positive resistance. Incline your ear to what God's saying. Guess what? Look what I'm automatically doing. I'm automatically resisting the devil. I'm automatically pulling away. See what I'm saying? So double-minded people who sit in the middle and they, and they continue to let this stuff be fed to them. They don't cut it off. They don't draw near to God. They don't listen to just God. They still listen to the other side. Guess what? They're going to stay right in the center and therefore, their hearts are going to be still filled with doubt. But you have the ability to purify your heart by power of positive resistance. Incline your ear to God. Amen. You automatically resist the devil. Amen. You automatically resist those doubtful thoughts. So that's what you must do. Back over to James 4. That's, that, that little nugget right there is worth this teaching tonight. Because that right there is a key where a lot of Christians still miss it. The reason they doubt in their heart is because they won't incline their ear... Totally to God and what God says. They're still listening to too much of the world and the things of the world, and they're double-minded. And therefore, guess what? They have doubt in their heart. But thank God we don't have to. So the power of positive resistance is incline your ear to God, and you'll what? Purify your hearts of double-mindedness. You're purifying your heart, your heart, your heart of being double-minded. Your heart's not double-minded. The double-mindedness is affecting my heart. But I'll purify my heart of doubt, James 1, by no longer being double-minded. Pretty awesome. I said pretty awesome. Verse 10, humble yourselves. Next thing on your notes there, he talks about over here. So we looked at F, G, he said, humble yourselves in what? Verse 10, in the sight of the Lord. What do you mean, humble myself in the sight of the Lord? So humble again, it very clearly means I'm going to submit to God. Say submit to God. In these verses, you go back to 6 and 7. And he said that he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Very next phrase in verse 7, therefore submit to God. So here's another key to humility. Here's another key to us submitting to God. This is something you should be aware of all the time as a, as a newborn again believer. And that's why this verse is in the New Testament. Notice again what it says, humble yourself in what? Tell me out loud. So the word sight there is actually the word presence. If you look it up in the Greek, it says humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. Well, I want you to think about this. 
Have you ever done stuff when you were growing up as a kid? I know you probably never did. Have you ever done stuff maybe even as an adult you know you shouldn't have done? And the only reason you did it is because you knew the people that you didn't want to know that what you were doing, they weren't around. They weren't there, right? Like in the case of mom and dad, you know if you did this and mom and dad was present, you're going to get a whooping. But since mom and dad ain't present, I'm going to do it. You know why? Because they ain't there. You listening? You know what this is telling you? Here's a way to walk in humility as a child of God. Guess what the presence of God never does for the born-again believer? Never leaves you. This is what he's saying. If you'll be aware that God's presence is with you. So in other words, don't take this thought, well, God doesn't know what I'm doing. He's right there with you. He lives in you. So how can I walk in submission to God? Humility, submitting to God. Be aware of his presence every day. Because if you're it, no different than the mom or dad in the room. If mom and dad was there, you ain't going to do it because you don't want to get caught. Well, guess what? God's there with you. If Christians would wake up to the fact that you never do sin apart from God standing there with you. You never do. Holy Spirit lives in you. Everything you do that's sinful, he's right there with you. Well, what if you became more aware of his presence? You would do a whole lot less things that the flesh wants to do. Come on, somebody. So if I'm not doing what the flesh wants to do and what the devil wants me to do, I'm submitting to who? God. God. What am I automatically doing? I'm resisting the devil. Tell me that ain't good. So we need to be more aware of God's presence every day. We got to quit thinking like because we don't see God and we don't sense his presence maybe or whatever. It's okay if I do this. It's no big deal. I'll just repent later. Let me help you. God's standing right there with you while you're doing it. Just like your mom and dad in the natural. So what he's saying here, power of humility is, verse 10, if you will humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, knowing he's there. Well, obviously, if I'm submitting to him and I'm therefore resisting the devil, what's the last part of verse 10 tell you he's going to do? Now, this is powerful. The phrase here, humbling yourself in the sight of the Lord, means you're aware of his presence, so you're going to submit to what God says to do. Every time you submit to what God says to do, guess what you're doing, folks? You're sowing to the Spirit. You're sowing to the Spirit. You're doing what the Bible says you should do as a believer. Therefore, you're sowing to the Spirit, which you'll reap everlasting life. To lift you up here is almost like the phrase of of a farmer planting a seed and then it grows. Here it comes, man. Here comes the harvest. And what that verse means is, if you submit to God, humble yourself to God in the sight of the Lord, guess what he's going to do? You're going to grow up. He's going to lift you up. Because you're submitting to him, he's going to be able to lift you right above whatever you're dealing with. Come on, somebody. He will lift you up. You won't lift yourself up because you're submitting to do what God said. Guess who's going to bring you up out of that? God will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the resisting of the devil is being helped by God because he's lifting you up as you're submitting to him. Tell me that ain't awesome. 1 Peter chapter 5. Turn over one book in your Bible to the book of 1 Peter. Go to the 5th chapter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Say, thank God. Come on, say, thank God for the power of positive resistance. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Number 2 on your notes. Do what God says in His Word, and He will exalt you above the works of darkness and the challenges you face. You do what God says in His Word, He will exalt you. Say, He will exalt me. He will exalt you above the works of darkness and the challenges you face. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people... Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be what? Clothed with humility. Very similar to what we just read over in James. Be clothed with humility. Why? Again, God resists the proud but gives grace to the... Now, resisting just means he can't help you when you are opposing him. If you oppose God, how can he help you? He can't because you're turning away from him. This isn't God pushing you away. You've turned away from God. So he has no ability to help you. Verse 6, what should we do then? Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may do what? Tell me out loud. Exalt you in due time. It may not be instantaneous. When you submit to God, you might not immediately that very second see results, but it's coming. Because guess who's lifting you up? Exactly similar to what James said. He will do what again? Tell me. Exalt you. What will he do? Lift you up. He'll lift you up in due time. 
7. What, what do we need to do here? Casting all our care upon Him because He does what? You should underline that. He cares for you. He cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I, I just got to point this out every time you read it. A lot of people say, yeah, the devil's a roaring lion. No, he's not. It says he walks about like one. He's not one. He, he's a big mouth. He, he, you know, his bark is way worse than his bite. Now, I'm not telling you he can't do some harmful things if you submit to him. No, he can still kill and destroy. But most of what he does is so, quote, unquote, uh, outlandish, over the top, just to get you in fear. Because if he gets you in fear, he can start working in your life. Verse 9. Notice what we're supposed to do. Resist him how? Tell me out loud, please. So see, this goes, the, the, these just tie together, man. So back to James, what James said. We're not turning back there, but back to what James said. He said, again, you got to get rid of double-mindedness. Because if you're do- double-minded, what are you? You're doubting where? In your heart. If you're doubting in your heart, are you in faith? No, you're not. So there's no way you're resisting Satan because you're not in faith. Notice again, verse 9, resist him, the devil, steadfast out in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So that means don't think you're alone. Don't think you're the only one going through this. What the devil loves to do is to try to get people isolated in their thoughts and therefore in their actions. The worst thing any believer could do in this day is let the devil cause you to be pulled away from the Bible, pulled away from your God, pulled away from your church, pulled away from your pastor. The more you allow that to happen, the more he wins out. Period. Because he doesn't want you submitting to God. He wants you submitting to him. And therefore, you must do what? You must continue to stay steadfast in your faith, knowing I'm not the only one. Yeah, but I'm going through this. I don't really feel like being around anybody. I don't really feel like going to church. Let me help you. When you don't feel like going to church, you most need to be in church. That's when you most need to be in church. Can I get a better amen? amen? I'm just talking about stuff happening, you know, people coming against you, things go on, this, that, whatever. Well, I'm just kind of depressed. I'm kind of down. Let me help you. You need to run to God's house. Amen. When you are facing these kind of battles in life, you need to run to God's house. The problem is a lot of people don't. They allow these things to win out. They allow their emotions to win out. And therefore, guess what they do? They stay away. I don't want to get around anybody. I'm not very sociable. Well, let me help you. You don't come to God's house because you're quote-unquote sociable. You're supposed to come to God's house because you love God. Hallelujah. So you got to realize what the devil loves to do in this case is isolate people and to get them in a position where he can even take further advantage of them. On your notes, number two, 2A, stay submitted to what? Where's that at, Pastor? So if you notice here again, back over here in verse 5, likewise, you younger people, be submitted to your elders. All of you be submissive. Verse 6, notice this, humble yourselves under the... Humble yourselves under the... Under the... So our pastors pointed this out for years. We have what's known as the five-fold ministry, which makes up the hand. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So notice this on your notes. This is why we want to stay submitted to godly leadership. If, you're, if you are not responding to the word taught from godly leadership, you're not submitting under the, under the mighty hand of God. You're not submitting under me. It's not like I'm your strength, but you're not submitting under the strength God gives you through the fivefold ministry. You continue to not submit under your pastor. Do what he teaches you from the Bible or other ministers come to this pulpit. You're not submitting under the mighty hand of God. Guess what God can't do? He can't lift you up. Can't lift you up because you're not receiving through the gifts of God, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the things God wants to help strengthen your life with. To be, you got to cast how much? Give me a good Texas all. All. You got to cast all your care upon him. You cannot live in this life with care. It produces worry, and therefore where worry is, faith does not exist. You better do whatever you have to to work on dealing with every care of your life, to cast it over to God, and recognize what Scripture says. Why would God want me to cast that care over onto Him? Tell me the rest of the verse, because He cares for you. 
So you need to remind yourself this all the time. I live carefree. Say it. I live carefree. Practice it. Go ahead. I live carefree. Brother Hagen, man, in his early years had so many things and even other times in his life and ministry, as all of us do, that came against the ministry. Bills that looked like they weren't going to get paid. Circumstances they're dealing with with other people. Situations, etc. And one time he was pastoring a church. It was his last church he pastored. Every pastor that passed through that church didn't last but a handful of months. Nobody wanted to pastor that church, but God told him to pastor it, so he did. And as he took over that church, he would meet other ministers at conferences and stuff, and they knew he had taken over that, that church. So they would ask him, they say, how goes the battle, Brother Hagin? He said, couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Come on, I know that church. That's a horrible church, man. I mean, there's all kinds of strife and division. Everybody fighting against each other. Nobody wants to be there half the time. Da 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 da. And he said, "It couldn't be better. I don't have a care." Well, I happen to know there's still people in that church have been talking to me. There's still a lot of problems. I don't have a care. They thought he was lying. He was telling the truth. He's. I don't. I don't take that care upon me. That's God's. House, that's God's care. I've cast this over to him. He said, I would come every Sunday with the new message ready to preach to the congregation. And lo and behold, man, I'd have a deacon punch somebody out in the parking lot. So I'd have to ditch my, I'd have to ditch my message again and preach on love again. Preach on love, the love of God. Preach on the love of, huh? Yeah, for two years. He said, finally got that church turned around. Finally. But I'm going to tell you how. Because he cast that care over to the Lord. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, he would say this all the time to himself. I don't have a care. If you do, you've not obeyed that verse. What if I haven't cast my care over onto the Lord? Guess what you haven't done? Guess what you haven't done? You have not submitted to God. If you've not submitted to God, guess what you're not doing? You're not resisting the devil. You're doing exactly what he wants you to do. He wants you to carry the care. The devil wants you burdened down like a, I used to have this graphic I would post about this message. It's, it's a funny little graphic. It's a mule tied to a cart like in a foreign land. And the cart is so full of stuff, it literally lifted the mule off the ground. The cart's sitting like this and the mule's up in the air because of all the stuff weighing down on the cart. And I, you know, I did a message on you know, my daily blog one time about casting care of the Lord. Don't be, like, don't, be, don't be the devil's pack mule. I'm going to tell you, a lot of Christians the devil's pack mule because they don't cast their care over to the Lord. you got to cast how much? All. All your care upon him. To see, you also need to be what? On the alert. Nine. Notice this. Excuse me. Uh, verse uh, eight. Be sober. Be vigilant. Pay attention. Pay attention. Sober means you're awake. You're paying attention. You're vigilant. You're on the alert. You realize the devil's going to try to get care upon you. He's going to try to get you to submit to him, to not do the things that God wants you to do. you got to stay alert. D, don't let the devil do what? Isolate you. Again, how does he do that? Verse 9, by allowing you to think, I'm the only one going through this. Notice that? Uh, the, notice that he says you've got to know that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. See, the devil wants to isolate you think, ain't nobody going through what I'm going through. Ain't nobody dealing with what I'm dealing with. Oh, man, I'm the only one going through. And see, all he's trying to do is isolate you. Pull you away from everything and everybody. And I'll tell you right now, the Bible talks about this in the Old Testament, how the context of the wolves in their day, representative of Satan, they would strike the hinder parts of the flock. They would strike the hinder parts, the weaker ones, the ones that are drifting back, the ones that aren't staying up with the flock. I tell you who Satan doesn't usually go after. He doesn't usually go after strong believers. He goes after the weak ones. And then through them, he tries to get to the leaders. So you got to realize you don't want to be isolated. The last thing any believer wants to do in this day is start ditching church. If you're in the sound of my voice and you're ditching church, you better get your hind end back to God's house. Because I am telling you, if you ditch church in the last day, you're violating Hebrews 10. You are forsaking the assembling as, as, as the manner of some. And so much more as to see the day approaching, we're not supposed to do that. Amen? Amen. I have a little graphic I posted of a skeleton guy scratching his head. This is me trying to find the verse that says, I don't have to come and gather together. I don't have to assemble together. 2E, be steadfast in what? The faith. Tell me out loud. So how do I remain steadfast in the faith, Pastor? First of all, you deal with the double-mindedness, right? We've addressed that. But how else do I stay steadfast in the faith? Simple. Keep declaring God's Word. 
Keep saying what God says. Don't ever stop saying what God says. And especially when you don't feel like saying what God says, say what God says. Can I get a better amen? amen. See, people, people go way too much by their feelings, you know. Well, I just don't feel like confessing God's word. Well, I just don't feel like going to church. Well, I don't feel like going to be around pastors. I don't feel like going to be in the church. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, your feelings are not, quote, unquote, supposed to lead you. And when they get you wanting to go contrary to the word of God, you better shut those feelings up. And you better start doing what you know the word of God says. Amen. So to resist him steadfast in the faith means I don't have to try to press against the devil here. No. Do I? No. Do I? No, all I got power of positive resistance. I'm not focused on the devil. I'm not doing the negative. What am I doing? The positive. What's the positive? Say what God says. Declare what God says. Because faith does what? It believes and speaks. Can I get a better amen? Ephesians chapter 6. We did look at this in another part of our series on this last day's teaching, but we're going to go a little more in depth tonight. Real quick, Ephesians chapter 6. Number 3 on your notes. The armor of God. The armor of God, when put on, is one of the most positive forces against the enemy. Did you get that? The armor of God, when put on, is one of the most positive forces against the enemy. I know I told this church this many times, but I'm going to keep saying it because we get new people here. Putting on the armor of God is not just sitting on the end of your bed and confessing it. These are things to be lived out daily. These are things to be actually applied and lived out in your life daily. Ephesians chapter 6. Say, thank God for His armor. Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brethren, be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord, and in the power of what? His might. 11, put on, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to do what? Stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil. Do I have to stand against the schemes of the devil? Just put on the armor. If you put on the armor, power, positive resistance, guess what you're not going to have a problem doing? Resisting. Resisting. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness of heavenly places. Now, I've got to bring this up every time. Because wrestle always has this connotation like we're going into this battle with the devil. And we're going to go in the ring and we're going to wrestle and see. No, that word wrestle in the Greek literally means like you walk up, you grab him, and you throw him aside. Amen. It just means we're not dealing with people in the natural. We're not throwing people aside. We're dealing with the enemy and throwing him aside. There's no place Jesus wrestled with the devil. Well, in the garden, he didn't wrestle with the devil. He wrestled with his own will. Not my will, Father. Your will be done. He wasn't, the devil was there trying to influence him, but he wasn't wrestling with the devil. You listening? He was just simply dealing with the flesh, the will of his own self to not give in to what the enemy wanted him to do. So again, we're not, quote-unquote, getting into this grappling, wrestling match with the devil. Nope, we're just casting him aside. How? By walking in the armor. Watch this, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, do what? Now, the Holy Spirit just nudged me because I, I, in, my sense, in my heart, I sense somebody thinking, well, you know, we got to fight him somehow. Okay, let's use Jesus as an example. Show me where Jesus fought the devil in the New Testament. He's your model. He didn't. He just walked up and cast demons out. Every time he faced opposition, he just declared the word of God. How about when the devil tried to use people to take advantage of him and actually take him captive? He walked right through them. You listening? He didn't go to wrestling against them or fighting them. Don't try to fight demons. They're already defeated. Wear your weaponry. You'll resist him. Put on the armor. The armor will do its job. I said the armor will do its job. Hope you That's how you're strong in the Lord and the power of His might. 14, you stand doing what? Having girded your waist with what? Truth. truth. So really simple. Let's read through them. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench some. How many? Circle that word. You'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, all his lying, scheming, conniving thoughts. 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That actually phrase there, it's important. It's important you note this. Verse 17, underline the phrase Word of God. Watch this. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the... So the word, word there, listen to me, listen to me, is rhema. 
There's two words for the word word referring to God's word in the New Testament, logos and rhema. Why is the significance here of rhema? He didn't say take up the logos. He said take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, spoken word of God. It's not a sword until you speak it. You listening? It's not the sword's useless. It's not a sword until you speak it. If it's not spoken, the word of God is not working for you as a sword. Has to be spoken. Say it has to be spoken. That's that verse there. That verse when it says take up the sword of the spirit, the word of God, it's saying take up the sword by speaking God's word. When you speak God's word, it becomes a sword. 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 19, and for me. Pray for me, Paul says as a leader, that utterance may be given to me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains. That in it, the gospel, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Look at your notes. Let's go over this real quick. This will help you. So, 3A, talking about the armor, putting on the armor. The armor of God will help you to be able to do what? What will it help you do? So, what is going to cause you to stand against the devil? The armor will. See, we always take this stand. Well, I got to stand against the devil. No, just put your armor on. Just put your armor on. You you know, I don't know if you've ever seen this in a movie before. I actually saw a movie uh, where this was actually portrayed. I can't remember the name of the movie. It's a really old movie. Uh, Roman soldiers and all that kind of stuff day. Not, not a modern one. This was an older movie. And actually I had somebody tell me, this is exactly what it refers to in relationship to the armor of God. You look at these soldiers on this line and they all have armor on. They have a helmet on. They have a breastplate on. They have swords. They actually have uh, their feet covered with these uh, you know, protective boot things over their boots. And they also have this huge shield, big wooden shield. It's not a metal one. It's a wooden shield. And what they would do when they're facing their enemy, like their enemy. I mean, back in their day, man, I mean, warfare was brutal. It it wasn't, you know, it was not noble to hide from your enemy. It was not considered noble. You came out, you faced your enemy face to face, man. We're going to see who wins the battle. So there was no hiding, you know, behind the bushes or anything like that. It's like you come out, you show who you are. They come out, they show who they are. Let's see who wins. We say we're stronger. You say you're stronger. We're going to find out when this day's over. So when they would come out to battle their enemies, those who were armed like this armor, they would actually have a front line. All these people have wearing on them this armor, but this front line would have the shield. You're going to see a minute why it says, above all, take the shield. They would, the shields are so tall, they would set them on the ground, and they would kneel down on one knee. When they kneeled down, that shield was over their head. There was another line of guys behind them with the same shields. Guess what they did? So this was all done by command. They would give a command. The first group would set their shields down, go down to their knees. Another command was given. The ones behind them would lift their shield up like this level, and they would slide it over top of the shield on the front of the one in front of them, and they would stand up there and hold it up behind them. And guess what? All the fiery darts coming even over those shields couldn't hit them. Couldn't hit that whole front line. They're underneath those shields protected. And as soon as the, because all the enemies could do back then, they don't have, they don't have machine guns, they rapid fire machine guns. What do you do? You load up a bow, you get it on fire, boom, well, it takes you a while to do. So what they would do, they wouldn't do that individually, they'd do that by command. On the other side, their, their commanders would say, you know, they'd give a command, they'd grab their bows, they'd get the deal ready, they'd light it, and at the same time, they'd do this, they'd pull them back, all by command, and release them. So it's like this one lobby, right? Of firing darts come. So once that lobby was over, guess what this group did? They immediately, by command, stood up, they moved forward, they dropped their shields again, they dropped their shields, and they waited, and the next, and they just kept coming up towards their enemy till they overtook them. Guess what they didn't do? They didn't do it by their strength. They're armed. Their armament protected them and caused them to overrun their enemy. And guess what? Your enemy's already been defeated. Somebody help me preach tonight. So watch this, watch this. So 3B, first part of the armor, gird yourself with truth. Back to what we talked about, I mentioned I was going to refer to it again. Proverbs 4.20, what's this mean? Incline your ear only to what he has said. Incline your ear only to what he, God, has said. So to guard your, to gird, excuse me, to gird yourself with truth means, guess what? I only listen to the truth. I only listen to the truth. I don't listen to anything else. You do not have the belt of truth. You're not surrounded with truth if you're listening to other stuff. But if all you're listening to God, all you're doing is listening to what God says about a given situation, guess what's surrounding me? The truth. 
I'm surrounded by the truth. Notice C, 3C on the back of your notes. You're also put, supposed to put on the breastplate of what? Tell me out loud, please. Righteousness. Watch this. Don't ever allow. This is powerful. Don't ever allow Satan to put you down. Don't ever allow Satan to put you down. Don't ever allow Satan to put you down. You're a child of God created by him. You need to see this verse. Go to 1 Thessalonians. You got to see this verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 refers to two parts of this armor as well. It refers to the righteousness of God and it refers to the helmet of salvation. I want you to see this as it relates to this righteousness because it's a part of what he's talking about in Ephesians 6. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness that you obviously will be able to protect your heart, protect your inner man. Now watch this. We're not focusing, like Pastor says, on the actual part of the armament, but the actual word associated with it. What's the word associated? Righteousness. The moment you got born again, guess what you got? I'll just do my little did, my little, my little dance. Guess what I got? The gift, the gift. You didn't just get righteousness. Oh, you, you, you missed it. The gift of, I didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. I got a gift of righteousness. You know what that means? I, look at me, look at me, look at your pastor. Guess what? I'm in right standing with God. How about you? Well, guess what? I'm in right standing with God and you are as well, all because of the gift. So what does the devil try to do? Convince you that you're somebody you're not. You didn't hear that. He tries to convince you that you're somebody you're not. You let him put you down. You take what he says about you. You accept it. You begin to meditate on it. You begin to think about it. Guess what you just did? You put down your gift of righteousness. Are you listening? So how do I keep this gift of righteousness in place? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to answer that question for those of you that asked. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. Let us who are of the day be sober. Underline it, putting on the breastplate, listen to this, of faith and love. I thought it was the breastplate of righteousness. It is. It is. But how do I keep that understanding of my right standing with God alive? How do I keep that part How do I keep that part in place? Through faith and love. See, the reason people allow the devil to convince them there's somebody they're not is because they don't think about the very fact, I've received this gift by faith alone. Hello? Not by earning it. By faith alone. And you know why I have it? Because he loves me. Because God loves me, I have this gift. I'm in right standing with God. Not because I earned it. Come on, somebody. Help me preach tonight. But because I put my faith in the blood of Jesus, and he proved his love for me by dying for me to make me right with him, so why would I allow the devil to convince me I'm somebody I'm not? Give me a good amen. amen. See, why would I allow the devil to give me some stupid, ignorant thought that I am somebody that I'm not? But he does it all the time. And he takes advantage of people and they're therefore not doing what? Power, positive resistance. They're not submitting to what God says about them. They're submitting to what the devil says. They're resisting what God says without even realizing it. Are you still here? So watch this. See the second part of your notes, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8a. You keep this breastplate on how? By faith in him, understanding. I've put faith in him. And listen, by underline it, knowing and believing in the love that he has for you. Amen. See, 1 John t- chapter 4 tells you this. 1 John chapter 4 says, we know and believe the love God has for us. And because of that, perfect love casts out fear. So you got to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't get a hold of this correlation between the breastplate of faith and love and righteousness, you won't walk in your right standing with God as a child of God. You'll allow the devil to convince you otherwise. So every time the devil ever tries to convince me through a thought that I'm not already right with God and therefore a child of God and therefore overseeing context God's authority this earth and he's under my feet, I allow that to happen by recognizing I'm not putting my faith in who God made me to be. You're basing your right standing on God or your righteousness because you did this or did that. You'd be born again. Yeah, but you don't know what I did yesterday. Oh, I didn't know your righteousness was based on what you did yesterday. Preaching better than your amen. See, this is one of the key parts of where the armament stays out of place in people's lives. Because you got to know I have right standing with God because it's a gift. I put my faith in Jesus. I already got it. 
There is nothing I could ever do to, to establish righteousness with God. There's nothing I could ever do to earn a gift that he gave me. Why is it that we accept that as a salvation message and get born again, but after born again, now we're still trying to make ourselves right with God? I'm going to tell you why. Because you got a lying devil who's trying to get, take advantage of you by saying things about you, speaking things about you that has to do with your flesh and not the man on the inside. you got to wake up and say, no, 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 wait a minute. I put my faith in Jesus. How do we keep that right? How do we keep that breastplate on? Faith and love. Faith and love. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. Every time a thought comes to you, contrary to who God says you are, how do you put that breastplate on? How do you keep it in place? Here's how you put it on. Nope, already put my faith in Jesus. I'm already right with God. And I am right with God because he loves me. He loves me. Sorry, folks. He's my fa- I'm one of his favorites. But so are you. Aren't you glad? Come on, somebody. Come on. Why did God make you right with him? Because he loves you. And you put your faith in Jesus. Period. Stop allowing Satan to put you down. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. He's taking advantage of your life if you let him do that. You're not submitting to God. Submitting to God is having the breastplate on. D, keep your feet shod with the preparation of peace. Simple, Simple truth, be a peacemaker. Don't strife and division is a work of Satan. I said strife and division. Where strife and division is, is every evil work. Don't be a strifer. Don't be a slanderer. Don't be a gossiper. Don't be a divider. Don't be a one who creates division. You listening? That don't mean we walk in ecumenical peace with everybody. There's no way. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay at peace with everybody, even meaning that if this person doesn't want to be at peace with me, I'm walking away. I'm not getting into strife and division. You understand that? So walking in peace simply means it don't mean I'm going to be able to have peace around everybody. But if somebody wants to constantly cause strife and division and problems, bye. See ya. I'm walking away. I don't argue over scripture. I'm not doing it. Why? Because it doesn't cause peace. It causes strife and division. That's what the devil wants. Say it. I'm a peacemaker. And that don't mean you're going to be able to make peace with everybody. But you're going to choose to walk in peace. Can I get an amen on that? E, above all, again, do what? Walk in faith. Simply, simple truth, man. Trusting in what God said. That's it. Just trust in what God said. Take him at his word. Had you take up the shield of faith. F, you got to take up the helmet of? Which we also find here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8b. Back to verse 8. It says, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope. So now he gives us a further clue about the helmet. He says, here's how you walk with the helmet. You walk with the helmet with a hope of salvation. What do you mean? I thought I'm already saved. You are, but there's an actual fulfillment of that salvation of Christ's return or are going to be with him. Right? The ultimate, we don't know all as we know. We don't, we don't know all that we should know in this, but we will then be known as he is known. We will know him as he is known. We'll then know all things. So the hope of salvation is really simple. You keep thinking about he could come today. How excited I am that he could come today. You keep thinking about what you have of an eternal future. And guess what? That'll keep your mind on the right thing. And that'll keep your mind from drifting off on the wrong things. And that's keeping on the help, the, uh, helmet, the uh, helmet of salvation. I'm running out of time. G, the sword of the Spirit again, which is what? I've, I've already said it. God's spoken word. Simple truth. Fill your mouth with the word of God. Don't wait till you're attacked to do it. Go on the offensive. You should be using your sword every day. You ought to be declaring the word of God every day over your life. Thank you for all your amends about that. H, you need to be praying always with what? All forms of prayer and supplication. Supplication is petitioning God for the things God said we should petition Him for, biblically. And then how about this? I, notice what he said at the end of those verses in Ephesians. Pray for your leadership. Remember what he said? Pray that I would have utterance. You ever pray for me to have utterance? If you don't, you need to start. Pray that your leadership have utterance given to them that they speak God's word with great boldness. Why? That's going to help you. If you're praying for me to have utterance from God, that's going to help you to be able to hear from God what God wants to say to you. Luke chapter 4. we got to quit. Come on. Luke chapter 4. Last verses. Oh, I don't know about you, but I preach me happy. I preach me happy. I, don't, I mean, I do care if you are or not, but I preach me happy. Whether you are or not, 
Word, the, the Word's so good, man. Why do people not want to come hear the Word? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Luke chapter 4. So let's look at Jesus as, an, as a final example of submitting to God, positive resistance, and uh, submitting to God, resisting the devil, and the devil fleeing. Watch this. Uh, Luke 4, 1. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan after being water baptized. Remember when the Holy Spirit came on him? Yes. Now he's empowered by God to go do his ministry. Notice what he's, what he's led to do. He's led by the Spirit to go into the wilderness. Been there. Been there, seen it. Here, where the river Jordan is, where it flows down through. I got, water, I got to be water baptized there. When you come out of the river Jordan, you start heading towards Jerusalem, which isn't far. You go through this wilderness area. And I mean, it is desolate wilderness. I mean, it's like nothing grows there. I don't mean wilderness like some trees and stuff. I mean, it's like nothing. It's like, seems like dead, dead, you know, total dead area. So he goes out into this wilderness led by the Spirit to being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those uh, days, he ate nothing. Afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. How many of you be hungry after 40 days of not eating nothing? So what happens? The devil shows up. And it just like the devil? So the devil shows up. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. So he's tempted and clearly he knows he's hungry. So what's he going to do? He's going to tempt him to be able to violate what obviously scripture tells you you shouldn't do. You don't go around, use God's power for personal gain. It's not what it's for. So he tells him, hey, you command, if you're really the son of God, and I want you to underline this statement, please underline this. If you are the son of God, underline that, please. Because I'm back to the, the breastplate of righteousness where you know it or not. I'm going to show you this in a minute in your notes. If you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. First temptation. Jesus answers saying what? Underline those three words, please. Underline them. He's your model. He's your example. Jesus is being tempted. How does Jesus respond with power, positive resistance? Quotes the word of God. Gets the sword of the spirit out. It is written, man shall, live by bread, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Verse 5, the devil then taking him up on a high mountain, he showed him all the kings of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, by the way, that wasn't physically. Again, this is all temptation in the mind. That's how he works. He said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Which actually, honestly, he had, had, had it given to him because of Adam's sin. Satan became the god of this world. Seven, therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Well, he don't have to worship Satan to get all that. He's going to get it because he's the son of God. Watch this, verse 8. Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. It's written. What is it? it is Underline it. For it is written. Underline it. Underline it. For it is written. You shall what? Here you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to, the, uh, to Jerusalem. He set him up on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash a foot against a stone. He did say if you're the son of God, but here he's using scripture. This temptation is used in actual scripture. That's from Psalm 91. This is actual scripture. 12, Jesus answered and said, It has been said, you shall not do what? Tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed him, departed from him until an opportune time. When was that? Garden of Gethsemane. I love it. Before he went to that garden though, he told his disciples, Satan has come, but he's going to find nothing in me. Going to find nothing in me. 14, Jesus returned to the power of the Spirit to Galilee. The news of him went out through all the surrounding region. He went in and taught in their synagogues, having, uh, taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. Sorry for the hurried up message here, but I'm out of time. Number four, Jesus beat the devil with the force of what? Underline it, the written word. The force of. The force of the written word. The written word is powerful. Powerful, powerful, powerful. But I want you to notice this. This is so important you get this. A, B, and C are the three temptations. You'll be tempted the same. You'll be tempted no different than Jesus. For A, notice what he said, if you're the son of God. If you're the son of God. There was no verse that says you can turn a stone to, to bread. He wasn't using verses. He was challenging whether he really was who he said he was. If you're the son of God, notice this. Satan always comes to do what? Challenge who we are in Christ. What's the answer? What's the answer? Breastplate of righteousness. Come on, somebody. What's the answer? See, he's always going to try to get you to think you're somebody you're not. 
Come on, somebody. Help me preach tonight. You got to get this. What's the temptation to you? You're no good. Don't you know what you did? Don't you know what you said? Look how you acted. Look what you did the other day. Look what, you th- all the- Look what you've been thinking. Look what you've been saying. Look how you've been living. You know what he's doing? He's challenging who you are. Because he's trying to get you to look in the natural. Come on, somebody. He ain't looking at your spirit, man. The devil ain't talking about your spirit, man. He's talking about your carnal flesh. You listening? How do I overcome this temptation? How do I overcome this temptation? Breastplate of righteousness. Let me, let me tell you, devil, who I am. Let me tell you who I did. By faith, I am righteous in the sight of God. Because God loves me, I have right standing with him. And therefore, guess what? I am a child of the Almighty God. You better shut your mouth and get out of the way. Can I get a better amen? B, Satan also does what? In this case, he tempted, you know, Jesus, all this authority has been given to me. Bow down. Bow down. Compromise. Bow down. I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. Satan also tempts us to compromise in our walk with God. Listen, to gain what the world has to offer. You don't need to go to church so much. Come on, man. I mean, seriously. If you just worked a little more, you'd make more money. If you did this, you did that. You don't need these spiritual things in your life. You don't need that. You don't need... He's always trying to get us to go after the things of the world. He's always trying us to go after what's in the world. The Bible did not say go after what's in the world. My Bible did not say that. Jesus did not say that. Jesus said, you make the kingdom your priority. All those things will be added unto you. Say, the kingdom must be my priority. Well, see, it was Jesus because he is the king of that kingdom. But the devil saying, no, no, no. You come bow down to my kingdom. You come and compromise and do what I ask you to do. See, every little compromise you make in your walk with God to go after something of the world... I know I'm out of time, but I got to get this. I got to get this across. Every compromise you make in your walk with God to get something of the world is going to cost you in resisting God. You're submitting to the devil. I didn't say you can't have the things of this world. God said you you make the kingdom your priority. All these things be added unto you. You're still here. I'll give you insight. I'll give you revelation. I'll give you understanding. But you can't go after the things of the world. If you go after the things of the world, you know what's going to happen, don't you? You're going to compromise your walk with God. You're going to compromise your church walk. You're going to compromise your walk with Him in time with God. I don't have time. You know how many people say today I don't have time for church? Let me help you. You better change that really quick. Everybody hearing this message, you better change that really quick. I don't have time for God? Oh. You don't have time for the Bible. You don't have time for the Word. You don't have time for God. Let me help you. The devil's trying to get you to compromise. Yes. To be able to go after what the world offers that's not even eternal. That's temporal. You know how many people are going to get to heaven? Barely. Uh, some obviously after the tribulation period and realize I didn't have to go through what I went through. But I did because I allowed compromise. Bow down to me, Satan says. Right? What did, Pharaoh tell the, what did Pharaoh tell the children of Israel? We want to go worship God. That's represented today so easily in our, our lifestyle today. We want to go over here and worship God. Nope, can't. Sorry, can't do it. You know, you know what people do all the time? They bow down to their job, Pharaoh. About, I got to go worship. I got to go worship my God. I, I'm going to go worship my God because it's the day to worship my God. Nope, can't. You got to work. 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 When are you going to eventually tell your boss, sorry, I'm going to go worship my God? Amen. Or is Pharaoh going to be your God? Just asking. Sorry to step on some toes if I'm stepping on toes, but sooner or later you got to make a decision. Am I going to serve Pharaoh or am I going to serve God? Amen. If I make the kingdom my priority, Amen. what did Jesus say? All these things will be added unto you. Thank you for all your amends about that. I'll move on. I know you probably don't like that one, but we'll go to number C. See how that helps you. The devil will also tempt us by what? Misusing Scripture. Remember, he misquoted Scripture to Jesus. He will tempt us by what? He will tempt us with verses, but he'll twist them. He'll, he'll use them in a way to say, you can do this. It's okay, because after all, you're saved by grace. Right. Name the temptation, but he'll use, he'll, he'll use Scripture, and he'll use it wrong. He'll use it out of context, just like he did with Jesus. So he'll tempt us by misusing Scripture to mislead us from what? The truth. Because if he does, the truth is what frees you, ladies and gentlemen. You won't be in freedom. You'll be in bondage. How did Jesus address all these? Tell me. Tell me, D. Tell me how. Come on. He resisted simply by what? Acknowledging and submitting to God's word. I've thought many times about when I used to go tell bosses when I'd go hire for a job. If you can't, me let, if you can't let me off for rodeos, don't even think about hiring me. Why? Rodeo was my God. Why would I not say the same to somebody I was going to work for today? 
a little different. Hey, if you can't let me off on a Sunday, don't even hire me. I'll find somebody. God's got a job for me. Really? God doesn't have a job for you? You couldn't go to the house of God? Sure he does. God's got a job for me. I'm going to worship my God. I'm going to get to God's house and worship my God. I want to honor my God. I'm not going to let him take advantage of my life. The biggest thing I see in Christians' lives is that and them not knowing who they are. And the devil constantly beating them up with this. And not, not taking up that shield of faith. How do I take up that shield of faith again? Oh, excuse me, take up, excuse me, the, uh, sorry, the breastplate of righteousness. How do I take up that breastplate of righteousness? I already put my faith in Jesus. And because God loves me, he gave me that gift. I'm already righteous with God. Shake your neighbor, say, I'm already right with God. And guess what? There ain't nothing the devil can do to make you not right with God. Aren't you glad? Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.